this guy's was a very big guest for me. Uh, this guy's been on Rogan. He's been on some of my favorite podcasts before. He's a touring comic. He has his own podcast called Here We Are. Uh, his name is Shane Moss. And he's got he, he's just an amazing guest on podcasts. And his own podcast, again, called Here We Are. He talks to a scientist once a week and just talks about whatever that scientist's specific field is. And he talks about great things. It's very interesting, uh, scientific-minded, but he's not like going to uh, alienate you with too big of words and too big of you know questions. It's He didn't go to college, so he's very relatable when it comes to asking questions that we can all relate to. Um, again, this was, this was amazing. I can't believe he did this. Like he doesn't, you know, I'm just a little podcast that he, he agreed to come on my show for whatever reason. And, and I took advantage, um, by far the biggest name I've had on and, and like person that I've been super excited for to have someone this big on. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, I feel like I was kind of an idiot, but sometimes, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, follow him. Shane underscore Moss, M-A-U-S-S. And give me a follow, guys. Don't forget to like and subscribe on all the platforms. And let's start this episode off. Here we go. Boom, Sherlock, boom. Welcome to the Inner Talk Podcast. Will no topic is off. Three, two, one. Here we are. Uh, my name is Ryan Westa. This is Neandertalk Podcast. And I've got a very special... This is... You're probably my... In my mind, you're the biggest guest I've ever had. Shane oh my Moss. Gosh. And look, I didn't even turn off my my phone uh, because in my mind, you're the smallest host. I, uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, there we go. Phone off, ready to record. No, thanks for thanks for having me. This is exciting. Look at yeah. you with the whole uh, setup. You got look at that uh, beautiful purple backdrop. There. Yeah, you want to see a quick uh, view of my studio? Y- yeah, I do. I can. I'll, I'll just roll. Do a thing real quick. Oh, I that's nice. I have uh, I'm just in my bedroom in a corner. I mean, it looks better with all my other, other whatever, but you got an I idea. Like yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just in I'm just in a corner in a in a room. I and uh, I'm actually I actually think that this fall. So I, I've kind of been waiting to see like how long before I can tour again and what will make sense and when things are going to be like, um, rel- and, and not just like do distance shows or that's just not going to, that's just not going to make ends meet for me. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just a better time for me to, I'm writing a book and stuff like that, working on my podcast, starting a second one. But um, I've been kind of waiting to see what was going to happen um, to, and kept on you know pushing back so i've had in my mind that 
I'd start touring again next September. Ugh. I've had that in my mind for about since about last June. You know, I, I checked in early on, talked with some scientists. I was like, okay, well, definitely I'm not going to know anymore until the summer. And then I'll have a sense of things. And then come summer, I was like, oh, this is going to be, you know, at least a, a year. And then, and so I pushed everything to June 21. And then uh, I was feeling optimistic about that until about December. Okay. And then I started feeling optimistic again, like recently. And, but then I, I, I think that uh, anyway, pragmatically, I, I moved my tour dates back. I'm, I'm not booking dates until March of 22. Uh. And, and so because of that, I'm now kind of switching up the things that I'm doing. I think that I'm going to move to LA now that I have like a sturdier grasp of like what I'm, so I'm going to move back to LA and then I'm going to like get a studio and stuff and start doing my podcast. So that's, uh, if you know me, I'm a long winded, give way too much explanation for everything all of the time. And that's why I'm just in a corner of a room because this was a temporary setup early on. And then I was like, how long is this temporary for? Yeah. And, uh, and so, so yeah, we're all, uh, we're all making it work. I'm on your second remote podcast. So exciting. Very exciting for me. I'll tell you that. So you're going to go to LA. Like most people are moving, you know, at least if you listen to some of the media or whatever, people are moving out of LA right now. So you're going to go move back, back into LA. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, so I was living on the road. I was, I was in Portland. And then I, in 2019, I made, I had, I started doing indie tours in 2016. You did one here in Kansas City. I'm in Kansas City. You did oh, one here in no. Kansas City, that your science comic tour. Oh, stand up science. Yeah. That yeah. Was in 2019 then. Yeah. Yeah. You did that at, uh, yeah, right, right, not too far from me. That was a cool ass venue. That was a fun show. Uh, the um, right, uh, Oh shit! I forgot what the name of it is. Uh, yeah, it doesn't like, matter. There's like <laughs> 200 people there. It was mm -hmm. like a it basically sold out. I think maybe it was sold. Out. And yeah, that was a super fun. The record show. bar. Yeah, yeah. That's and yeah, so I was. I when you saw me, I was living full time on the road, and I I did it as like a year as an experiment. And loved it so much that it was like a five-year plan. I was like, I'm just going to live on the road for five years. If it drives me crazy and I get burnt out, whatever. And then uh, and then COVID happened. And then I was like, oh, I don't have a home now. And so. <laughs> Where are you right now? Wisconsin? I, or Yeah, I'm in Wisconsin crashing with my parents. And that's why I'm like, where am I going to move to? So we'll see. And I don't want to originally... I, I like being in a new city every three years and but with everything that I have going on and with doing with making podcasting kind of my main thing for the foreseeable future um, it's I, I think that LA is a good place for me because I, I have a ton of friends in production and stuff 
rent's cheap there right now. And I'm talking about this fall. So by this fall, there will be like tons of people vaccinated, lots of, and, and that'll be about the time when come, come like January, um, 2022, about in about a year from now, people are going to be looking to get back to LA to realize that like, yeah, I think so. Oh, maybe I built Nashville up a little bit too much in my head or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Like I've been everywhere, man. I love everywhere. And I, and I have like gone out of my way to my, my whole career. I've avoided LA and New York, which is really unusual for a comic, mm -hmm. but I was just, I loved being on the road. Like my psychedelic show that I did with it, it was like, and my science show that you saw like shows like that it's one thing to like do them on a like you know do a fun indie alt show on like a monthly basis or whatever in new york or la but to bring something like that to you know like nashville or wherever where where they don't have like as much of that where it's not like oh any night i can go see some like show made for intellectuals or whatever or or a psychedelic crowd or you know Oh, good luck. Yeah. Where would you find like you, finding a psychedelic crowd uh, in any city has got to be so difficult. Like, it, well, it's scary. Actually, like, you know, uh, it's going to be a sketchy scene, I would think. Like here in Kansas City, it's I don't know. I can. Who am I going to? I don't know. It's, it just seems like a hard uh, club to to stumble upon, I suppose. Yeah. So that's that's why I that was like kind of my thing was like, I'm going to bring this to these underserved markets. Mm -hmm. um, and it was working like really well for for me. And I was loving it. And, and people were so appreciative. And I'm excited to get back to it, you know, but um, but that's you know, that's, that's every, everyone moving from LA one. I think that, <clears throat> I think that what uh, there is not nearly as much reason to be in LA as there used to be. And so for a lot of people, it's like, I love seeing the comedy scene decentralized. I love seeing not just like, uh, older like veteran comic that's still like in minneapolis that's like really good or or whatever you know like a chad daniels or something like that 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 isn't on the coast now there's like a bunch of heavy hitters spread out everywhere. sprinkled sprinkled and across the country now i think that's that's awesome um and everything everyone's just doing stuff on their own and getting their own studios and you don't you just don't need LA and New York like you ever used to. But for me, I love the weather there. And if people have cleared out um, <laughs> a, a little bit and rents a little bit cheaper, like I have a ton of awesome friends around there and stuff. Right. And to be, so I just started a new podcast that I haven't released yet. Ooh. Um, you're getting the inside scoop. It's Oh, me, shit. Me and my friend Ramin Nazer. Do you know who that is by chance? He's a fantastic uh, artist. Look him up on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. He's he's done some of your artwork, right? Or he does like yeah, uh, yeah. animated stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's hilarious. And he used to edit my podcast, Here We Are. And so he like really knows um, science really well. And so we just started a <clears throat> podcast together 
um, just recorded the first four episodes and, you know, it's some of the best podcasting I've ever done. We just like, it just gelled. It clicked into place. It happened really organically and he's there. And so I want to, I want to launch this. I want to get to LA so we can be in a studio together and, and start producing stuff. So, so that's the plan, man. Sorry to talk so much about myself, man. So I, I, I do. This is, this is, this is awesome for me. I like, I'm a big fan of yours and this is, this might sound weird or, or maybe you do hear this more often now, but I'm a, I'm a fan of you as a podcast guest. I, I'm a podcast yeah. junkie. I've been listening to podcasts honestly, since I, I want to say, Oh, like 2004 or something like that. I used to record them and burn them on a CD and then listen to them in my car. Like I go back as soon as podcasts began. Wow. I was, yeah. And so podcasts I podcast on CD, dude. Yeah. You're a true podcast nerd. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I've listened to you on a bunch of different, different. I mean, I don't know who does more, who, what comic does more guests on different podcasts. You or Mark Norman, like you both are on so many. Yeah. I, so many different ones. I love it. It's funny because early on in my career, I just did the traditional. It's funny that Mark Norman's another one because we're, we have like somewhat similar path in like, you can tell that we were clearly students of stand up comedy and mm-hmm. got into and knew how to like do the late night thing and like figured that out really well. And I just like switched to podcasting earlier, mm-hmm. but, but like, they're had... so fun. Like how can you not gravitate them? Especially for someone that's, you know, long winded like yourself, like that just, just fits you. I didn't used to be, I okay. used to be a, I used to be a one-liner comic. And then I just, I just felt uh pod, one, once podcasts, like I was always trying to express myself in like one line at a time and craft the perfect joke. And once podcasts allowed for us to just be like, Oh, we can just actually talk about whatever we want to yes. and give people a peek into our brains. Because I know I talk about way different things than most people are interested in because I'm a person and I go around in life. Mm-hmm. And when I start talking about things, people are like, huh, that's okay. You got a fascinating <laughs> brain way you think, which is, which is why I gravitate to you. I, 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 I'm on the same wavelength of you as you with a lot of just thinking styles and, and science minded. Uh, I think you're more brain than emotions. You know what I mean? Like you think more with your brain than your heart. I, I assume yeah. I know that's how I am. Like I, yeah. I want to, I don't know, more pragmatic about shit. Yeah. Um, when, yeah. like who, when did you first, uh, like, who would you say was like your first big podcast where it kind of was like, oh, I like this. And it was like kind of a big deal for me. Well, I just didn't. If there was one or not, you know, I don't know if, if you were I even mean, conscious I, I about it. Like, oh, shit. Fiddling around with podcasting, you know, like I, I was on a couple and it was OK. And then I started doing this double date podcast uh, with my my ex april macy and i would have a different couple on each time and stuff and it was okay and everything but it was uh i would say pete holmes was like the okay the big one where it was like 
oh my God, we just had this amazing conversation and like people really responded to it and, and um, got a lot of attention from that. And then Duncan Trussell. Um, and now, now I probably have more fans from Duncan Trussell's podcast than anything else. It's fun. It's just the way like trends go and stuff. Sometimes like, you know, I got tons of love from Conan and then, but like that doesn't really equate to fans. It's just fancy sounding credits. Right. And then like Comedy Central, same sort of thing, but you get a little more fans from that. And then, uh, but now it's like, if people come out to shows and know me from something, it's like Duncan and Pete Holmes for the most part. And yeah, so that was like, so that's been, I know that I'm a good like I'm often a good podcast guest, but I don't have that much confidence in myself as a podcast host. Really? You don't? Oh, you're great. I love here. We are. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, man. I like, yeah, I'm a fan of yours, man. Like, yeah, I'm, I, I think you're a great host. You're super like you just, I mean, I don't know anybody else who knows as many words as you. <laughs> really oh my god uh, you know all the i mean I, I hang out with idiots i guess but you know so many great big words <laughs> oh that makes me so happy to hear that my vocabulary is the thing i'm the most insecure about oh you're amazing yeah I, you're great i don't have a i don't have i don't think that i have like a, a high verbal fluency is like something that i like duncan trussell oh my god right like i listened to him and like what the hell? How <laughs> he's do you... just showing off <laughs> like that's crazy yeah how do you sound like that yeah who are you you know <laughs> it's just like a different he's tapped into a whole nother frequency you know there's these um there's i had a, this episode this thing that blew my mind I, uh this this neuroscientist out of mit i wish i could remember her name i'm the worst with names but she was talking about um verbal fluency and they put people in an MRI and they, they um, looked at their, their, you know, like the regions that are doing the heavy lifting of the language processing and, you know, would have them read things or communicate or whatever. And polyglots that know, like, you know, people that know like six different languages, they actually had less activation in there are language processing centers when like learning new words and stuff. So it's what's happened mm. is, is the brains actually, it's not like it's supercharged or superpower. Like, wow, they got more brains in that region. It's that they've like, their brains have picked up on this pattern recognition. They've built efficiencies in their mind and it, that just comes super easy for them. Okay. You They'd know? probably be really good at different, like, uh, like that. Did you ever see King of Kong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. people will probably be good at like Pac-Man and King Kong if they're good at that pattern recognition. Yeah, probably yeah. That kind of well, thing. Well, that'd be even like different regions. So so this is, uh, there's a lot of flexibility with this too. Like they look at uh, old, uh, back when taxi drivers were a thing, they would put taxi drivers in MRIs in their, in their, um, their spatial memory was just so enlarged so so much uh, so uh, like clearly doing um being used quite a bit more than most people's because they had to know their way around and every little nook and cranny and all the shortcuts so 
Uh, so yeah, I mean, all of these things, what I try to do with my podcast and I hope people are getting is that I actually don't think that I'm like, I have some like standout intelligence or anything. I just think that this is like, Hey, this is something you can work at. This is a tool. This is a muscle that your you brain build. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and not just your brain, but like critical thinking. You know, like you can I'm a, learn to think like this. You can. Um, that's funny you bring that up. I'm really big into critical thinking. Um, but I think what you find is so much now is critical theory. Yeah. And I think it's, I, I don't know. I, I have my own theories about critical theory, but like, it just seems like that's the lazy person's way out. It's just so yeah. much easier to have critical theory than it is critical thinking to get to the bottom of some of these i don't know and issues that have that have a lot of complexity to them and nuance to them you know yeah so so use it kind of you give me an example of critical theory like what what's oh, you know uh, like like uh, race theory or gender theory like they just want to be oh, so yeah. quick like their little talking points yeah, with yeah. the theory about it instead of actually getting into the science and thinking about it and diving more into it. Yeah, I was always, so I was a terrible student. Um, you know, I, I, I was, uh, I had like a C average um, and it, it's, I've always did, I always did pretty well on tests, but I just would refuse to do homework or pay any attention in classes. Me too. And I had the guy thing, right? Isn't school just geared more towards the female mind? <laughs> That's what I'm I, telling myself. I, I think there there there's cases to be made for that in in some regards. There's definitely lower rates of ADHD um, in in uh, in regions where they start school later on. Like like the the thinking is that mm. that um, boys it just boys need to like a couple more years before they before they kind of can sit in a in a chair in a I got desk. I got a 7-year-old son. I get it. Yeah. And and so there's there's speculation that that has to do with it. And so yeah, I mean, I I I think that there's probably some gender differences there. But yeah, I I guess math was always my main. Math was the only thing that I was always an A+ plus student. I could like teach any math class that I was in. And and it's also how I used to construct jokes was very formulaic. And so I, the way that I like thinking about things is in systems and like algebraic, like X and Y, like, I don't care about what the details are. Like, you, you know, if, I, if X, if, you know, the A for apples and, and, uh, and, b for bananas or something like that and a plus b equals f which is like the 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 total of fruit you know mm -hmm. and then and then uh, like per month or something like that and then you can times that by 12 to get how much there is in a year and i don't i don't get hung up on most people get hung up on the details of like well what what do the apples look like? Are they rotten? Are they not? I, no, no, no. You aren't getting the <laughs> right. And I, I always liked that um, math was in theory. I mean, I think math, math, mathematicians have their own biases, and you can apply math in flawed human ways. But I think that 
you know, the idea, what I loved about math being someone that was raised religious and never and found it really confusing was that you can just prove it and you show your work. You don't just like, it wasn't a, because math, I said so math is never because I said <laughs> so you show right. it, it's replicatable, it's falsifiable, right? There's only one way to be right. There's a lot of ways to be wrong. There's an infinite number of ways to be wrong. It doesn't care what by definition, <laughs> it doesn't care about your experience. I mean, you can get better at math through experience, but it doesn't care about your race, your gender. I mean, and again, quantify that because there are like there's factors of of like there are uh like there's amazing studies like giving math tests to asian females and priming them to remind them of their gender or priming them to remind them of their of their race and that influences their their math so if you don't prime them at all they they do just as well as anyone on on uh math we're but, so easily manipulated and then it becomes self-fulfilling prophecies. So yeah. if you if you first if you you know you write your name and then you ask them their sex and and they got to check female, they'll do worse on the math test. If they have to check race and they Asian, which is stereotypically good at math, they'll do better on the math test. That same person, just the difference of checking a box, just okay. the difference of reminding yourself your identity. If I were to go, if I were to go in there and I checked Asian, would that make me do better on it? I think you have to believe it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how placebo works. You, you, you don't. You don't. Well, you I'm don't. telling myself for this test, I'm Asian. I'm going to think Asian. I got this. You can tell yourself you're going to think Asian, and if you trick yourself into thinking you're thinking Asian, that could work. But you can't like. But like <laughs> placebo, I think, is the most underrated effect that there is. I think the placebo effect is is demands a lot more respect. Is not to be mm -hmm. um, poo pooed. Uh, I, I think much of life is about finding the placebo that works for you. But placebos don't work when you go. This is a placebo. And I'm going to eat this placebo. That's not true. They work a little bit. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, they have done a few studies where they, yeah, like they, blood, blood pressure. Wasn't there like a blood pressure right. study where the guy, the people said, hey, you were just taking sugar pills. And it's like, well, I don't care. Give it to me anyways. It was working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a there's a bunch of stuff like that. And you can also just straight up tell people, hey, I'm giving you a placebo right now. But, and it seems to work but is that because people are like are you really giving right, me a right. you know who knows but but just generally speaking uh you know in broad brush little mm -hmm. heuristics because life is short um believing a placebo is the main factor in a placebo working which is crazy that, that, that how powerful the mind is it, is. it can overcome these things I, yeah i'm with you i've i've been a if you can say this, I've been a fan. <laughs> I've been a fan of the placebo effect since I heard about it. <laughs> oh man, I, I, it's, it's pretty amazing. I, I actually think that's why, you know, I was talking with someone today. Anytime someone sends me, so I, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty hard headed about where I stand on, on, um, on COVID in terms of, of like people people doing what they can to do their part to limit spread in terms of wearing a mask and stuff like that not 
I'm not for like mandates or anything else. I'm just okay. for encouraging social behavior that that leads to lowering the spread of COVID. And usually when people um, uh, come out with me with some some something that they've found that's like evidence of like, oh, well, here's why you don't need to worry about COVID. It's almost always from an MD. And that's interesting to, because no epidemiologist, no infectious disease person is saying any of this stuff. Like if, I, if I talk with an epidemiologist, there, no, no one's saying, yeah, let's just go and do <laughs> some push-ups and, and do some supplements. And stuff. But doctors, I think, are so used to prescribing placebos, even when they don't realize that they do. Sometimes wow. they do and sometimes they don't. Sometimes... Wow. Say you're a pediatrician uh-huh. and and someone comes in with a sick child. Well, as a doctor, whether the, on paper or not, part of your job is, so what's your job on paper? Fix this kid, make this kid healthy. But, uh, but on top of that, the unwritten job is put this parent at ease. Oh, yeah. So, so doctors will also do things to the kids that, that because there's just not, you know, they're doing what they can do. And maybe maybe like putting on a little show for the parents is better. It's going to decrease their anxiety that mm-hmm. may very well be warranted, but it's not helping them. And so that's much of what doctors are. You know, when I had foot surgery, I had a uh, I had a practice a general practice practitioner that was like oh you know if you just believe it's gonna work it's gonna work regarding something i'm like dude i don't want to hear that because it won't on me right now i know yeah i'm not gonna yeah i need yeah (laughs) and and but because of so bedside manner is rewarded so much with Mm -hmm. mds and and there's so so a well-liked doctor that screws up is far less likely to be sued than an unlike doctor that didn't screw up. And it was just like a difficult task that didn't go the way everyone would like it to have. Poor bedside manner, just matter of fact kind of dude. Yeah. 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 And so there is so much incentive to just be well liked there's so much incentive to come oh, to your patient and then and yeah. then the system's built on sick care and most doctors are seeing people for like 15 minutes at a time mm-hmm. trying to get a general sense of things using their past experience of of getting these snapshots of people's health for 15 minutes most people are neglecting their regular physicals like people aren't flossing and going to the dentist or whatever else as much as they want to so they're either seeing these like really bad cases where people have waited too long they didn't go in when the check engine light came on they came in when the engine was on fire Mm -hmm. you know so they're seeing these really bad cases and then they're seeing and, and these are all these are just things i've been thinking lately these aren't like from my thoughts from my podcast just trends that i'm i'm noticing and then they're they're seeing um um they're seeing people who who are who's the other people that they're seeing again and again hypochondriacs oh yeah 
who need something like need a new placebo need you, you know to be poked with something need you know demand is there a big percentage of hypochondriacs out there like are they do are doctors dealing with hypochondriacs like all the time this is pure wild speculation on my part. I Bring it. talked what we to like. a doctor about this. It, it, like I, it, it's just the point is, is like, go back to that pediatrician. Mm-hmm. That's a scientist does not do that. A scientist is careful to isolate <clears throat> every variable to make everything really sterile. They don't care about bedside manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, un, unless that's like another variable you can throw in to test or something like that. You know, it's not part and they're not getting paid based on their bedside manner or anything. They, they are getting their incentive is make a replicable, uh, testable uh, theory that can be falsified, but replicates and hasn't been falsified yet that that like you know, says something about the nature of, of reality. And that's a very, very, very different mindset. And it's a very different and doctors have um, pretty big egos too, in my experience. Yeah, yeah, they do. (laughs) Because they're used to also being the, you know, all day long, they have someone coming in, please, genius right save me save me yes all of society i was raised saying you could be a doctor when you right. grow up doctors must be this super intelligent be- you know no one ever so said right. you could be a scientist when you a rocket scientist people would say sometimes but yeah no, you know science is always a boring seeming like nerdy thing but a doctor you know that's someone really doing something and man, they have a bit of, they have some inflated ego stuff going on. And then they tend to talk outside their field. They, they tend to like not know where their, their lane is. Okay. Yeah. Because and, I'm a doctor and I'm the smartest guy in the room. I can just go ahead and where's that? Uh, Crunning's Dunning Krug. What is that? Dunning Kruger. Dunning Kruger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the less you know about something, the more you, you Think imagine you, know. you know yeah. about it. It's just, we just all do that all of the, all of the time with so yeah. many things. I'm sure I'm, I've done it 20 times already in this podcast. And so, uh, and this isn't to be unfair to doctors this is just to point out like we all have biases and even like the most well-trained i mean doctors are amazing i i think hopefully after all of this we'll figure out a way to get it so that doctors don't have to work more than 40 hours a week and i mean doctors were working 70 hours a week before a global pandemic happened that's a big part of why all of this is happening, you know, uh-huh. because we don't have the healthcare system in place. We were, we were running at pedal to the, you know, we were in the fucking red, you know, people, people, the whole medical community was being burnt out and efficiencies built in and everything like that. Before a global pandemic, we didn't have, you know, j- just like everyone in this country that didn't have savings, including myself, everyone, you know, we're all just like, as a society, America's yeah. just been like, 
redlining Ooh, it. That's really? what we do. <laughs> yeah. Just redline it till you can't redline no more. And then hopefully you got a good mechanic that'll help you out. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, ma'am. Yeah. I don't know either. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. I, like I said, I love your podcast. I love, I love. Thanks. And I love you just sound silly too, but I love your voice. Like you got a great, it's just, I don't know. You got it. it oh man. I love your voice. Yeah, I love your I voice. Love you got the best compliments. Really? <laughs> yeah. I hate myself. I hate my voice. Still, after this many years of doing your podcast, you hate your voice. I do. I do. Sometimes I enjoy- Oh, you got the best voice because it's so distinguishable and it's like you can tell everything you say. Like it just it's clear, it's crisp, and it's just you're unique. It's perfect. You got a great voice. Oh, thank you. I mean, I guess we all just don't, you know. Do you listen back to your podcast? I did at first. Now I rarely do, but every now and then I will. Yeah, I'm starting because of this new podcast, which, by the way, it's going it's going to be called Look Ma No Meaning, um, but all about like existentialism and stuff. But that it's it's the best of both uh, worlds where I, I knew I was good as a podcast guest. And there was like things about hosting that I'm not able to do when I'm talking to people with like jobs to lose and stuff and i you know want things on the up and up and like also mm. i want to be respectful to them and right and and also they have like kids listening and stuff so i just can't like um you know make some uh, you know sometimes they will sometimes i'll have scientists that'll like start swearing and love that they can like finally swear on yeah. something and be free <laughs> Um, but like, I don't know if they're like kids or something are going to listen and I want, you know, and oh, that's so, interesting. So you're like pretty conscious of that, of making sure, okay, that, that's a sign of a good host of a, at least a good person. Yeah. I want everyone to feel comfortable on my show. And yeah. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I don't want to like, I'm not trying to have any gotcha moments or get anybody canceled or pissed it, it, off, but. Yeah, it's not even that. It's just like I it's just most academics like they just generally like as a practice, part of their job is like qualifying everything and like being being not careful, just careful in what they say, like, oh, I better not let the secret. But like actually just being careful in what they're thinking, you know, and second guessing them like they second guess themselves constantly all the time and like oh but another way of like someone will someone will have like their landmark paper that put them on the map you know your average person would go like oh let me tell you how genius this work of mine was every scientist is like yeah i don't know i've learned a lot since that time <laughs> and like, here here's where the holes were in my thinking at that time and like what we've corrected from there and with with Ramin, I'm able to like be more of like a guest tying together a bunch of ideas, wildly speculating and like just being loose and like making uh, like saying just outrageous, um, uh, you know, like uh, satirically offensive things and stuff like that. So. So, yeah. Yeah, I have. um yeah, I was actually hoping to come and maybe pick your brain a little bit, trying to get sure an idea of kind of getting the guests, the type of guests that you get on, because um, I, I'm limited here in Kansas City because it's I mean, it's still a city. I've got a pool of people I can try and find. I mostly find my people on Instagram, but it's it's all kinds of things that I'm interested in. Like I've had local comics on local rappers and musicians, artists, 
um, different entrepreneurs, CBD experts, fitness experts, but I want to get more into like, I'd like to get some uh, like archeologist type people on here. Maybe people yeah. like, like more well, science minded people. And like, like, how do you go about getting those people? Just do you go on to like a local college and find a professor and, and send an email or like, how do you even? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, scientists are, so excited generally speak i mean they're they're taxed and overburdened especially like right now with doing remote learning and everything but uh you'll find that they're some of like the most gracious people on earth they're they're more than happy to get their work out there and it's like it, and it's like kind of a part of their job is an expectation sometimes scientists aren't the most outgoing people in the world and they're mm -hmm. like uh, the, they just like doing their work and they're kind of hermits but there's like pressure for them to like get out there and share some of the, you know, this is what universities are meant to be doing is educating the public and spreading this research. And so um, usually as long as it's, so when I started, I had all of these TV credits and I had, and I would, I would read their work and like make jokes and stuff in the email that would express that like I had a fluid understanding of their work and could carry a conversation and everything. Mm -hmm. But I think that if you have something that's professional, that's been set up for a while, you know, they just can't, they just can't risk being on someone's like, you know, I'm going to try a podcast. Uh, yeah, I've never yeah. done anything before. And you know, they just can't because there's like, they don't know if you're a crazy person or whatever. And, right. and, and they don't want to like make the university look bad or something like that. And, or like I have, you know, you can't get me on your podcast. If you've done, if you've been podcasting for less than a year, that's just a standard that I have. It's not, yeah, you like, mentioned that to me. I thought that was a great idea. Like, yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. It's just a very reasonable standard. Yeah. It's not, I'm not like hiding anything or like, you know, or, or being difficult or anything. It's just something that I do to protect my time and also to protect the quality of the content that I put out, not just for the person hosting who, when you start a podcast, you don't realize how much there is to no, but also mm -hmm. just just for fans of mine that like, you know, I share this in a story and people uh, check it out. I don't want to share it if it's like, you know, yeah, I get some, some like 16 year old kid that yeah. like looked me up or whatever. Yeah. And and so um, but yeah, I, I would say that it's really not that hard at all to usually like look at a university website and get there it's scientists aren't in it for the state. Like the reason yeah. why I like most people just don't, aren't interested in reaching out to them. And the people that get all of the attention are people that like wrote a book about a thing. And it's usually like sometimes fringe things and stuff, but otherwise just it, uh, you know, pop science are really speculative or, you know, there's like, Lots of like, you know, just go to a bookstore and you'll see the demand. If you walk into a bookstore, there's a science section about as long as my arms. Spread, you know? <laughs> right. Whereas like, if you look at self-help section, self -help, yeah, half wellness, the thing. food, religion, it's just like groosh, this huge library of, yeah, and, and it's, and, you know, like most of my guests have, 
probably less than a thousand Twitter followers. You know, mm -hmm. they aren't in it. They're not like trying to get the stage and stuff. And that's why you got to be like a hair skeptical of any scientist that does get the limelight because there's two kinds. There's one that's just exceptional. There's like, you know, um, Steven Pinker or something that not only has done exceptional work, has had an exceptional career, but is incredible at writing and science communication, just like a world leader, like one of the most talented people in the planet. Yeah, he's a legend. At that. Yeah. And then you have people that like uh, are selling some snake oil. Like, like who? That, uh i don't know there you know there there's just a, there you know endless if you go to, if you go to like um the you know any any like any spirituality or like wellness oh, yeah. area or whatever in, yeah in that's just store, all yeah not all like a lot of, a lot of it's good and and but 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 it's really just easy to sneak in there right you know? and it's and it's easy to it's, I mean, look, look at the, look at the history channel, history channel used to be history ish. Kind of, I think that just focusing on war all of the time. Yeah. It was like, a lot of world war one and world war two. It's, I mean, I think that's kind of a ridiculous narrative about that, that being a representative of the human condition. Um, but now it's like ancient aliens and stuff like that, which is like, I loved that stuff when it was like here's a fun thing to think about <laughs> like i loved thinking about like simulation theory and stuff like that but like i don't want that just all of like if i'm tuning into the discovery channel i don't want black mirror right like, i'll watch black mirror when, when fucking I want, yeah. awesome show and then i'll watch black mirror but the reason why i'm watching the discovery channel is to learn some shit, right. <laughs> not some dumb reality show. Right. But that, yeah. That's just the state of the world that we're in right now. And so I would, I would love for you and more people to, I think the reason why people don't get scientists more often is simply, there's not a draw. You know, if, if you, if you have, if you have me on your podcast, you might get a few more listeners than normal. Who knows? I, I you know, it, it's not like my career is like, blowing up or anything and then you get someone like bigger than me you'll get more listeners in you mm -hmm. you you get like um duncan trussell or like rogan or something on your podcast and you're going to like immediately get you know you get like charles barkley or something on your podcast you're going to get a lot more views you're going yeah, to we get call a that, lot more listeners or we call that clout chasing yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. really a clout chaser. Like my uh, my podcast is like I tell people and people know me now by now. It's a selfish endeavor. I just want to talk to people that I genuinely want to talk yeah. to. I don't care how many like this is incredible for me. Like it's I, you're right. It might not. It's probably not going to bring a whole lot of extra listeners to it, but I don't care. Like I, that's not what I did it for. Like I was drink. Like you brought up simulation theory and um, for whatever this means, I don't exactly know how to define it. But 2021, I'm living this life like it's a simulation theory. I'm going to yeah. just just treat this year like this, like I know it's a simulation and I'm just starting to do things a little bit more differently than I normally would. Try to play it like it's a video, like it's Grand Theft Auto. Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of what I'm treating it as. And like I was 
drinking with this uh, lady friend of mine the other night and I saw one of your Zoom videos that you posted on Instagram. I was like, I had a couple drinks and I was like, let me just shoot him a message. See if he'll do my podcast like this year. I'm just going to kind of take more chances and and then yeah. I did it and look, boom, here we are like this. Yeah, and- you just and and do <laughs> the, they say drinking makes you make bad decisions? Yeah, I can't. Rem- yeah, but I drink those away. Very rarely do you wake up the next day having drunk tested of <laughs> of future guests for your uh, for your podcast. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're all living in a, you know, simulated model of reality we call (laughs) consciousness. It's just interesting that the human mind is now like kind of becoming aware of that a little bit because the, the re the way in which we articulate our experiences is, you know, creating metaphors based on, based on these kind of external things that we kind of connect and grasp at to find you know there's like embodied cognition of like uh you you go like that girl's hot you know her temperature is not she doesn't she's not running a fever you find her attractive or we're having a deep conversation right like what we're not we're not in a basement right Mm -hmm. now we're we're having depth within the concepts of Mm -hmm. the it's a layered kind of and in that so in that same way there you know, if you look at uh, pe- people, people will be like, oh, I had a light bulb go off in my head when the <laughs> light bulb yeah. was invented because it was like one of the single best inventions ever. And then and then I'm sure before that it was like, ooh, and then lightning struck and I had an idea, you know, and, and then like cars come along and and you're like, oh, I'm feeling really driven and let me steer <laughs> this conversation. And so the external realities, the advancements in technology then influence our perception of, of, of the way in which we articulate the inner workings of our own mind. And so then computers come along and now we're getting these massive downloads and, and I only have so much bandwidth. Mm-hmm. And so it's not so much that we're like living in a simulation, like a Truman show ish type thing, mm-hmm. but a simulation is, and, and we might, we might be doing that, but, but, uh, for, but what we're definitely doing is living in a is our brain is having to simulate future outcomes and reflect on our uh, and and drawing past memories to make decisions about where what we're saying um, right now and doing and and thinking. So like, yeah, you're in a simulation. That's Congratulations. right. Congratulations. Just for this year, I'll yeah, wake up next year. <laughs> um. Yeah. And when I was talking to her about getting you on my show, the one thing I, I, I had to bring up and like one of the biggest reasons I told her I wanted you on my show um, is because I wanted to thank you for something. You you were on a pod. Like I said, I've listened to you on a bunch of podcasts and I don't even know if you're going to remember this. Steve Renazizi had a podcast called like Read Me This Book or something like that. Okay. Like I said, you probably wouldn't even remember it. But there was a book on there that you recommended and talked about. It was called, uh, God, now I hope it's uh, Red Rising. Really? I talked about a book called Red Rising. Do you know that book? I don't know that book. Was it me? Pierce Brown. You know what? Maybe I'm completely confusing. I could have swore it was you. Someone else. (sighs) Someone else. Someone else changed your life. 
Someone else you changed got, my you, life. You gotta find that other person that changed your life. I thought I could have swore it was you. Huh? Well, 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 I'm gonna well, change. I'm gonna change your life by steering you in the right direction, which is away from me and toward the person with the real answers. The person who was on Steve Ransiski's podcast, the Red. Oh, Red Queen. No, it was Red Rising. It's a thrill. It's it was it was one book and then it turned to a trilogy and now it's like a series of five. The six books coming out soon. Oh yeah, no, I don't read fiction. I don't either. But then, it, oh god, well, I wish I would knew who it was. It was someone that reads a book all the time. Eh, whatever. Well, <laughs> regardless, let me go back to another favorite story of mine of yours is when you broke your heels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sure you're probably sick of talking about that. I mean, it was a long time ago, but like, you're well, good. I haven't talked about it in a long time. I'm fine to talk about it. Yeah, it's it's prepared me for that was the the first time that I had to uh, that I was like pretty down and out was um, was uh, I broke both of my heels while hiking and one of them exploded oh, and uh, and it required a pretty intensive surgery and. Um, I jumped off of something trying to take a shortcut. I jumped like from a trail down to another trail. <laughs> it was too high and I was wearing bad shoes. And How high was it? Like It was like 12 feet, but it was like... Oh, that's uh, it? That doesn't seem... Yeah, I mean, that's high, actually, but... it's not. It wasn't crazy. I've jumped off higher, but there was a lot of... So I, one, I was wearing barefoot running shoes. So oh. I, I would have been better off being barefoot because the shoes... <laughs> give you a false sense of confidence and so you don't <laughs> land you land like you have regular shoes on you know with cushioning so that's why i broke my heels and <sighs> and uh instead like if i would have taken them off and jumped barefoot i bet i would have been okay um but i or or not as bad um but anyhow it was um it was a huge ordeal. Um, it required, so I, I lived in a, I was in Malibu at the time. My place had like 50 steps to get to my apartment. And both oh, of my shit. feet were broken. And so I moved to my parents for three months. So this is the second time shits hit the fan for me in the, in my life. Uh, first, the first one I broke myself. Uh, the second one, the world broke me um the world broke and there's a global pandemic but um it prepared me for um a lot of what would come out of this and that's why through all of covid i've been despite losing all of my income and um you know just a number of other things like the girl i was in love with and I had to lay off my whole team and just like lost everything uh and but it's like i've taken it all in stride i had a mental break um for like two weeks and then uh and outside of that i've just been like hyper productive and and building investing in my future and that's kind of something that i learned from um breaking my feet like prepared me for this right away and there and there was there was also like the accepting and the surrendering of just like well okay this is there goes my next three months and now there's going to be a whole Whoa. ordeal and 
and getting ready for when it like psychologically breaks you because it's never the big things it's always like the small things right that that uh it's like you're you're putting a shoe on and and like the shoelace <laughs> breaks that's, that's it that's the shit that'll that's what'll you'll get through all of the other things but it's that last little mm-hmm. god is everything gonna go wrong that'll that'll break you and uh so yeah i, I don't know it's an interesting experience but it helped you and now it's got yeah i have noticed you have it does seem like you're you're taking all of this losing you know your livelihood for the most part you're taking it very well like it's i talk i've been talking that's one of the things about my podcast i've been trying to talk to people that covid's hitting like different restaurant owners and stuff like that and just what it's like for them like how they're how they how they're getting through it and like what what keeps them going uh, i never battled with depression a whole lot for like most of my life i was i was one of those guys that was just kind of like suck it up like you know get over it get get your ass out of bed lay in bed for one day but then pull yourself out of bed and get your shit together man just fucking do it mm-hmm. and then um i have two kids and then i got divorced and all of that like uh i got diagnosed with like uh situational depression like it hit me like i was like oh my god (laughs) this is what depression is i can't believe i was so like flippant with it like i didn't understand at all like i was like you know i had a fucking rope around my neck ready to jump off a fucking two-story balcony like i was oh yeah deep like didn't understand at all and then you see you know i've worked past that shit obviously um and but to see people that can can get overcome those hurdles is very inspiring to me and, and and it's still like when i see people like you going through this shit and then handling it so well well i have uh, chronic depression issues i don't have situational depression issues so it's it's actually very much different for me like when shit hits the fan that's like when i come alive that's okay. like that's like when i turn on that's when like that's when life feels like real to me and like normally i don't know like which direction to go or what's worth doing and none of this is like it means anything and and i can't figure out why i feel this way and i can't put my finger on it but this happened too when i broke my as soon as i when i broke my feet least depressed i'd ever been in my (laughs) my life because it was like finally my brain was like "Ooh, this is what's wrong like right now oh tangible thing i can put my finger on this is exactly what's wrong it's the opposite like the situation finally put me into why i'm depressed yeah right yeah Yeah. same with the pandemic pandemic's like oh yeah yeah, okay it's terrible yeah this is uh this is uh, exactly uh, this is uh amazingly horrific there's like i know exactly what's wrong and i gotta get through this this specific issue like each day you love the uh, pandemic uh, i do kind of um every day i wake up and i think like how can i like maximize this pandemic i'm like super big into pandemic maximization i think that all pandemics throughout history have like afterwards there's been if you look 
Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I don't know enough about them. I'm, I'm just starting to read a book about some of the history, but I've heard little bits here and there, but there's a lot of good that comes out of like these, these global resets and stuff. There's going to be a, I mean, it's going to be a shit show. There's going to uh -huh. be horrific, right. uh, like, you know, it's horrific. I, I don't want to, yeah. I don't, I don't want to be incomeless, but there, there, there's the, the catalyst for change, the things that become, you know, we're, we're pretty, we've had just a lot of stuff managed for us. Like before vaccines, no one questioned a need for vaccines. Yeah, you know, like every like vaccines were a miracle, right. and then they were so good that like we haven't had to confront anything like this, and they're so good in fact that people are like, I don't know, get jabbed in the thing, but what if it doesn't work the way it's? So, well, I don't know about that. Like it's such a modern privilege to even have those mm -hmm. thoughts because you aren't actually seeing like people you know like dying right in front of you and everything like right this that. isn't the bubonic plague or something like that right and so um i'm i i, I think that i did some like wild straw grasping early on i would call it experimentation of just like I made like a cool web series that no one watched, but it was <laughs> super fun to do. And then I just like started adding video on my podcast to did all these other things, starting a second podcast, collaborating with a bunch of people, writing a book. And I want to make sure like every day, I think when I look back at this pandemic, I'm going to go, holy shit. Thank you for everything you did during that, like, two-year span because you set me up for success like the lessons that i've learned in terms of even just like budgeting and stuff like that of like i mean i was going i was going out to eat in like fancy restaurants and stuff like like five at least five times a week you oh, know man. i was living on the road like like places places that like you take someone on your anniversary oh shit like <laughs> I go like five times a week at least. Wow. Not not necessarily for dinner. You can get a pretty good deal on lunch in those places, right. you know. Um, Happy hour, some appetizers and stuff. Yeah. But that was like my thing. And uh and now I look back and I'm like, God, that was silly. You know, I I'm not gonna beat myself up for it. it was I imagine I, I I can barely remember it now, but I remember it being a really nice time. I remember nice. enjoying yeah. it a lot. Um, but you know, just stuff like that and stuff like, I always thought just keep on investing in myself, you know, mm -hmm. just keep building, keep building. Every time I made money, I was like, well, taking every, everything like savings account, uh, 401k. No, you want to show all pay interest, put more money back in my, uh, in myself and, and watch it build, you know, and and that's and i was redlining you know and there's so many things like that there's so many things that this pandemic has given me a chance to like step back and go maybe i didn't want to live on the road for you know the next five years and maybe i it's good that i'm like experimenting with social media even if i'm like an incredible dick on twitter uh and and so there's just uh 
I think I think the the saddest uh, thing that you don't hear about about all of this is the incredible opportunities that people are missing out on to like do a career change to educate themselves to just take in this experience like every day is just like what's happening and and i know so much more about human nature and what i want to do with my life and it's i don't know i think it's i think it's been amazing i think it's horrific i i hope that um um you, you know people i i hope people start my my position is is that i would i would like people to take it seriously until everyone that wants to get a vaccine has had a chance to get a vaccine okay and then and then we're all in a position <clears throat> to make our own choices at at that stage um but like right now i don't have you know like my my dad has to go to work my sister goes to has to go to work you know people people are forced to like go and live their lives that don't right. want to that don't want to get covid and wish and wish that you know that other people their co-workers and stuff like that would take it more seriously i i don't have to worry about that too much because i'm just like super 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 quarantined but um that that's what i wish because i don't think people know what they're in for in terms of the long-term effects of covid but um anyway that's that's just my position on it but out, outside of that outside of like the practical matters of all of this i think that the main thing is no matter what you think whether you're like I hate these lockdowns. I got to get out there and party or like, I'm going to do like distance comedy shows or like whatever else. It's still, there isn't, if I toured right now doing distance comedy shows to like make a fraction of what I would normally make, mm -hmm. like that wouldn't be enough anyway. Even if I didn't care if I was like getting, you know, potentially encouraging people to, keep spreading a pandemic which means it's that much longer before i'm actually going to get to tour and have people come in yeah. not reluctantly but um i think that people are people trying to make their normal life work work like trying every bit of their normal life to like work in a pandemic and trying to do like quarantine compromised normal life is sometimes necessary but it's a different journey than than pandemic maximum maximization of, of like taking this as a chance to like okay the the world is in like utter chaos there's so much what how is this going to restructure things what's what's how is education going to change? How is the <laughs> yeah. world going to change? How is business going to change? How is currency going to change? There's so much turbulence and instability right now that like, you know, good time to try honing some like flexibility um, muscles in my opinion and, and take some chances and try some new things and experiment. Yeah, I, I don't think enough people are thinking like that. I mean, we've had... Uh, about a year now 
of like lockdowns. I think those started almost in, I think in March for us here is kind of when lockdowns kind of first started. And yeah. I mean, in the, in the beginning, they're pretty <clears throat> serious, but are they, I mean, I mean, I imagine businesses and stuff, but it's not, they aren't like nailing people's door shut, you know, like I still right. like go outside and everything, but what's, what's lock, what does lockdown there mean? Well, here it doesn't mean much anymore at for at first it started like there was an early curfew bars and everything were closed, but that lasted not too long now. Yeah. Like two months now. Look and now everything's basically open. I mean, you can yeah. go, you can go to a bar till, I think midnight, 10 o'clock or midnight, and they're going to tell you it's socially distanced, but I, it's not. Yeah, and of course not. You have to wear a, you have to wear your mask as soon as you get to your table, but as soon as you sit down, you can take your mask off, which everybody yeah. does. And yeah. so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's still pre-pend. I don't know. It, it's, yeah. it hasn't changed a whole lot. But for a exactly. while there, it did. Like a lot of people were off work. I'm a quote unquote essential worker. I'm a fucking mailman, man. Like I have to work. So my life hasn't changed a whole lot as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. But I've seen a lot of people where their lives had changed, where they lost their job, where they got laid off, you know, they lost mm-hmm. their business. But they but they have the opportunity to work on something. And like now is the time of you understand that this pandemic, let's face it, it hurts fat people. And I see a lot of like my fat friends that are paranoid. They're so paranoid about this virus, getting this, this virus and a year has passed and they're still fat. Like I haven't seen them once go on a walk or a run or, or mess with their diet. It's like, I mean, if you're so paranoid, like, shouldn't you like kind of work, like take this time now, like if, it, if this hasn't smacked, if the world hasn't smacked you in the face now, when is it ever? Well, I have lots to say about that. And one, there's a reason why there's higher uh, morbidity with with obese, and it's because weight on their chest making it hard for respirators to get air in. It's not like uh, it's it's not that it's not that uh, you know uh, necessarily just because someone's a little bigger, they're necessarily that much more unfit or being ravaged by disease anymore Mm -hmm. they did they've done a lot of studies on athletes that got covid and then um giving giving testing um testing their heart and finding lots of like heart scarring and in young people that hardly like didn't show symptoms and they don't know like because that's such an unusual thing to have this like condition, they don't know if it will never affect them or if, if those people that are taking care of themselves that are athletes, if they're going to have, um, cardiac problems 10, 20 years from now, Mm -hmm. um, that they didn't, uh, that they didn't see coming. And I do think there's way too much of, uh, I, I, I think that that's, it's, putting a little bit too much confidence in things to think like, Oh, I'm young and healthy. So I have nothing to worry about because, ah, I, d- I don't think we know that because it's a novel virus and two, like, yeah, people, people should take better care of themselves, but that's always, that's always know, a thing. Like, sure. It's a, that's always a thing. It's not like a secret that we need. To be <laughs> right. You know, like you, you get, you get that. I, I haven't, 
I don't think I've spent a day in my 40 years on this planet without hearing some diet suggestion or fitness thing or something like that on TV. You know, if you look sure. at it, go back to the bookstore and look at the wellness and the <laughs> fitness and the, you know, we get overwhelmed with this, uh, with this stuff. And, and so, I mean, I, I don't think that it's, um, much to expect people to uh, like wear a mask in public and, and do pro-social behavior like that is how I view. And I, I don't, I also don't think that I like, look, look, I mean, I, I quit smoking right at the start of the pandemic immediately. As soon as I heard there's a respiratory virus, I was like, this isn't, this isn't a time to have a smoker's cough. Oh, Two nice. months after that, I started, I started doing yoga every morning. Um, shortly after that, I quit drinking. And then I started doing workouts. And I've, you know, I've been working to take care of myself. But all of that, this is a multifaceted approach. And no one has a single magic bullet solution to all this, not even masks are some single solution. There's distancing, there's, well, mm -hmm. there's, there's health, there's taking care of yourself. And so it's a little bit hard to tell people like, Oh, okay. Well, get healthy. Here's the 80 things that you need to do to get healthy. You need to take this supplement, do this, do that, do that. Like those are really hard things to do. What we do need is for a virus to stop spreading because it could mutate. It can get more virulent. It can get more harmful. It's already been doing that, right? And it's already been doing that. And it's like, this is, this is like, man if like i've heard uh, let me say this and in march of last year i talked with i got a hold of, i didn't okay so i i got a hold of people you know i had a science pocket when i heard, first heard of covid i was like oh that's you know the fir first person that told it to me i was like well, they're a bit of an alarmist hypochondriac. <laughs> Second person was like, okay, then, you know, I thought they were crazy. And then it and that starts making the news. I'm like, well, this is media hysteria, just like everything else in our life. And then I started, you know, reaching up. And, and, and then finally I was like, okay, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And then I started talking to people that know about infectious disease and epidemiology and i've reached back to all out to all those people i thought were crazy and i apologize to them oh, they nice. might have been crazy about a lot of things in life, <laughs> but they weren't crazy about covid okay and i'll tell you this of the people that i talked to last march i i i pushed all of them to like give me ballpark estimations on things and no one no one was ever like, look, oh, like I, I'm more passionate than any scientist I've ever talked to. They're, like, <laughs> they're, they're very calculated right. and measured in their, in their things. And this one episode didn't, didn't get aired. I ended up having her back on just because by the time I was going to air it, I used, I was recording like one every single day when this started Oh wow! and, that, and the it had been, so like two months had gone by, by the time I was going to, so I re-recorded, but but uh, we, we talk about it when we re-recorded the conversation that I had. The person that was that gave the worst prediction of like how long this is going to be and what to expect, the person that in March was like, you know, this is probably going to be like a two-year thing. 
I'm just going to tell you that just, just so you know, <laughs> like, like if people don't want to hear that. This is probably going to be a two year thing. Okay. And you know, other people that took it very seriously and were like, listen, guys, wear your masks and everything else. They didn't, they, they were hopeful that, you know, things would have leveled off by now, but there was so much, there was so many factors of like, lockdowns don't work through history because when you tell people to like shelter in place they're like i don't want to do <laughs> right like, like if you if you told people to if you told people hey there's a novel virus and um and you need body heat um and hormones from other people to protect you from getting it if you're alone you can get the virus if you spend too much time alone. So you got to be out at bars. You got to be like <laughs> dancing. You got to be hanging out with your friends. Dude, two weeks of that, people will be like, I need my alone time. Right. Humans weren't meant to be this social. Right. I'm going to go crazy. This is a mental health issue. It'd be an introvert. You know, they'd be disease. dancing to it. Yeah. I'm having mental health <laughs> issues right now. Yep. I can't stop dancing. Right. You know, it's, it's just like a, a, people don't like being told what to do. Plain and simple. Yeah, and people right. are oft, often conflate science with government um which scientists aren't prescribing what to do usually and uh, other than like cdc or something but the the person the person that made the most traumatic predictions and reluctantly did it because knew i didn't want to hear it no one wanted to hear it they were the ones that time showed was was absolutely right every single one the the most the the worst predictions back in market march the the worst the only thing there's and there's been great news surface transmission didn't end up being a thing right and maybe having gotten covid it like really protects you they didn't know that like may may of last year they didn't they didn't know they didn't mm -hmm. know if you could get covid and you were just as likely to get covid again just right. as soon as you or two months later mm -hmm. or whatever because that's that just means everyone's gonna slowly die of covid is what that means so that's right. like you know that's why there was yeah. some alarm oh yeah because <laughs> that's fucking serious it's yeah like, yeah just slowly <laughs> just, every single person just, just yep. by getting covid population and, just slowly dwindling <laughs> and it happens in lots of species you know right and so so you know i i, I don't mean to I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to air my what I'm sure some people would say is alarmist stuff, but I'll say that I've never been alarmist about anything in my life. I broke both my feet jumping off stuff. I'm I'm like I'm 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 not I'm not the dude that hosted Fear Factor. I'm the fucker that would be on Fear Factor. Like I'm I, I, I'm the person that like. Hey I man, you were on his show. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. He's, I, I like Joe a lot, but I like, you know, in terms of, in terms of like risk taking behavior, or mm -hmm. being in a lot, like, I'm, I'm definitely not, uh, I, I've, I've never been an alarmist in my life. And I'm turning on the alarms for COVID. I, I think that it's, I think it's something it's to legitimately be concerned about. Uh, is it uh, are your alarms and concerns with this 
more for yourself personally or as a oh, global no. stage like like what what is your biggest fear with this that, that it does start trickling the overall population across the world or or what are your biggest fears of this or that, that you think are a reality that could possibly happen um i think the long-term effects are the worst because it, it, if i like put on my cold-hearted analytical side of things like uh, you know some population lowering like a, a little bit you know is awful and everything mm -hmm. but um um you, you know that's what do you get what are you gonna do that's gonna happen sometimes right. but the idea that there could be like millions of people that are going to be burdening our healthcare system more than they would have otherwise because mm -hmm. because someone's going to get covid and then be more likely to have a stroke 10 years from now or something like that okay um is is the thing that i think is going to have some pretty long-term rippling effects and then the other thing is and our health and and and, and that's part of that fear is because you don't think our healthcare system is prepared for that partially okay. and then we're going to lose i mean we've already lost hundreds of healthcare workers which are like really difficult to replace you mm -hmm. know that's that's like that that's that's taking some of like the most dedicated studious minds in the world and giving them like 20 years of training and like when you lose that person that's a different situation than losing like uh, a fucking comedian podcaster or something <laughs> right. like that or sure. or a waitress or, or whatever um just just it's not it's not very replaceable mm -hmm. and um and then the main thing is like i want to get back to work and for me to get back to work it needs to be stand-up mm -hmm. comics will be the last thing mm -hmm. to come back because even music will be able to like be distanced and or like wear a mask or whatever and people will be able to like enjoy it just as much um if not more in certain circumstances for the most part not like arena gigs and stuff but like going to a jazz club or something like that a distance jazz club is great a distance comedy show is awful and so i want and I'm a producer, so I need I need people to want to come to my shows. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just like, oh, I could I could go and put on a show right now, but I need people to come to it. And consumer confidence isn't going to be there for a bunch of people to pack shoulder to shoulder in a maskless room, independent of any like mandates or mm -hmm. anything like that, especially when I have a science-minded audience. And so I have I, I think that the only way forward is the singular goal of getting rid of covid putting it behind us it's not learning to live with COVID. that's like not that's just like simply not an option we won't we won't just like learn i mean people have in the past like learned to live with things but that's usually like decimated populations and stuff but there's not this isn't like a natural occurrence. Uh, global pandemics are something that didn't happen in evolutionary history. They are a modern problem um, brought about by biodiversity loss, 
and a mix of modern science and agriculture and uh, and global travel. There wasn't global pandemics before humans could travel globally, you know. And this is an invasive species which we haven't evolved for. And uh, and so, I I don't think it's the most virulent disease in the world. It could get it could mutate and get worse, and maybe it won't. And I I would say that like if you had like if you had COVID right now, I'd be like, oh, you'll probably be all right. You right. Know? But I don't think that um, um, that makes it okay for people to chance other people. And I think that that's only going to lead to, I think that there's ways, there's ways they've always made economies work through in the first pandemics, they, they would, they would, they invented home grocery delivery uh, you know, but before vaccine, you, you would hang, you would put a basket on a rope and put it out your window and someone would come by and put groceries in your basket. And this oh, wow. is how you would avoid people. Social when distancing, do... quarantining. These are things that have been going on for centuries. They're mm -hmm. a well-adapted response to a, a modern um, uh, issue of, of plagues and stuff that, that never like hunter gatherer tribes in our evolutionary history things like this didn't happen they certainly didn't happen often and they did happen they'd happen to like a tribe or two they didn't happen to a, a, a global population and they didn't and you didn't have zoonosis as much because the biodiversity loss is putting a whole bunch of species we're paving everything over and now all the species that are left are being clumped into smaller and smaller areas and we're putting all of our agriculture and all of our pigs and chickens and cattle and everything in smaller and smaller and smaller areas. And things like this are going to keep on happening. And vaccines and simple procedures is the only way to deal with the issues of are we going to reset the clock? Are we going to go backwards and like bring the trees back and bring the environment? back and start doing free range everything with agriculture or are we just going to keep on compact because if we're going to keep on compacting things and wherever the money's cities, at is where we're going to go right <laughs> then yeah then then like then the only way out is in and you need you need modern solutions to uh to modern problems and vaccines take a while to make and get right and we're we're lucky to have these ones um already in uh in my opinion which is uh definitely not it's it's not one that i hear i mean i don't watch the mainstream news so i don't know what's going on out there i just know what like scientists tell me and then i know like you know i i live in like like i was raised like most of my relatives are trumpers and okay so like so i i hear their like take oh, some things yeah nice constantly and right. so you know my perception is skewed where i i talk with scientists mm -hmm. and i talk with trumpers <laughs> like and it's a get it, both it, ends yeah it's a, it's a frustrating it's frustrating you know it's it's, and, it's frustrating when you're talking to the trumpers i'm sure is what yeah. you mean <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, very, a lot of science denial right you know, it's just, 
I don't know what's going on there. There there seems to be something with personality difference between like, you know, just concrete thinking and abstract thinking. Because like, you know, I can barely I can barely tie my shoes. Like I'm not like none of my relatives ever ever jumped off a thing too much and broke both their feet. Yeah, you know, I do stupid crap all the time. But yeah. I'm but I'm good at it's called living. Yeah, man, but <laughs> it's also like you, you don't necessarily you don't want me to balance a checkbook or work a nine to five job or do like mm. all of these adult responsible things that take discipline and drive. I can't do it. Try. Oh yeah. I was, I was, dude, I was fucking married. She took care of all that. Then I got divorced yeah. and it's like, it, it's like I'm a kid all over again trying to figure life out. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's admirable that people can do that. And there's probably things well, about, I didn't yourself, say, well, I, didn't say I could do like, it. <laughs> I can't do it. I didn't well, that, say I could do it. <laughs> no, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. The people yeah. that do, the people yeah. that do, though, that oh my god, that, I wish that, that are and and but but there seems to be like a level of like concrete thinking that sometimes comes along with that. Uh, you, you know, like I, I, I used to do CrossFit and love CrossFit. I think everyone should do it. But it, you know, there there's people in there that. I couldn't have an intellectual conversation with, uh, mm-hmm. in, in any way, but goddamn, they made life work. They, they worked their tail off. They were in good shape, you know, had a nice car, nice home. And like, you know, did all the things that they're supposed to do in life. And there's like, there's something to be said for that. Um, but when it, when there's a, when there's a pan, when there's a global crisis, you need abstract thinkers that mm-hmm. really know how to like think about the never ending amount of variables in complexity and and change because the real issue is people like putting a hard-headed stamp on things of like we need everyone locked down and then the other side being being like let's just pretend there's not anything <laughs> wrong in the world like right which is more insane than people you're not allowed to come in to. here if you have a mask that i mean that stuff yeah. is that stuff is completely crazy and like the level of like anti-social behavior that that is like from from people that in many situations are super like you know if you think about like small town folks that that like you know do anything for their community and churchgoers and stuff like that and and when it comes to most of their lives they're like doing everything they're supposed to be doing and the best people that you could know when it comes to abstract global problems there are some real fucking duds in there and they just are not used to that like it's there's there's like drive is so valued you know and like comes from the industrial revolution and stuff too i'm sure where it's just like nine to five you grind this thing out you tough it out and there's um i i think that we value um the strength of the grip that someone has on their beliefs sometimes more than the actual strength of their beliefs so Mm -hmm. these people are like well that person really believes in what they're saying like they would rather hear someone 
say something that is incorrect, but say it very, very confidently. Right. Then they would. It's very believing. Like, yeah, it can be very believing. Again, that Dunning Kruger thing. You get those yeah. people that are just and and you add on top of it that they're a salesman and maybe they do a little coke and then they could throw that little cocktail together and you're ready to go into business with them. Whatever. Yeah, fuck masks. Uh, I don't even know yeah. if you're right. COVID is a fucking hoax. What the yeah, you get hooked real quick on these fucking vampires. And it's <laughs> It, it is and it's i mean and then it's where we are social creatures so we're influenced yeah. by that and then you get called like a pussy or whatever for like <laughs> trying to like i mean not only am i being a good citizen but it's also just not that much for for me to do that or to right. like you know be considerate and like you know to to defer to the person who's who's the most concerned in that situation um, but you know, to hear you and I sit here and like qualify our thinking and like maybe slightly see things a little bit different, different and than each other and like go back and forth and, you know, we're not making some like grand proclamation one way or another. Maybe I am a little bit with my hysteria, <laughs> but, um, but that's the style of thinking that like some people just aren't used to mm -hmm. don't respond to doesn't hasn't driven them forward in life and now like this this whole this thing that's their drive that's like confidence don't think too much about it if you're having a bad day just set it don't even think about that you know just keep going just forward 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 do exactly the thing that that you know you you work nine to five you show up on time each day you do this thing you know, then you'll get a promotion and then you do this and you say right and um and that works really well when the when the structure of our society is is stabilized and everything is the same day in day out week to week but when things are when once we're once we're in the uh turbulent seas of chaos um that's that's when you need um scientists that's when you need uh like abstract thinkers that's when you need people that can really like sit back and analyze things and think of creative solutions and can change their mind is the vaccine the way out is that how we're gonna get to see you back on tour is uh once this vaccine is made available for everybody that those want to take it is that is that your vision for us to get out of this thing for the most part yeah and that's going to take a while too so the vaccines that we have right now because because now there's like the variants coming it's going to like you know there's probably going to need boosters for a while until there's like better vaccines to get like exactly the the variant strain strain and then it will and then we'll just get it we'll get rid of it not it, it'll it's not like a it's not like a flu where okay. you're going to get a flu vaccine every year or something like we're going to get rid of it like eight h1n1 you know or or like swine flu or mm -hmm. sars or something like that like yes it exists right. but you know right we're on it we got it isolated you know we're on top of it we're like you know making sure it's in like a couple third world countries we're monitoring it we're doing everything we can um there and um and yeah i, I think uh i think 
these i think these vaccines are fucking marvelous they're better than uh, i mean they're better than i ever would have dreamed they're better than when i was talking with people in in march or april they're just like they're just so much because it's a new method that they use they're just so much more effective than they the mrna one or whatever yeah and um and seemingly safer and everything else at this point and this is the history the history of vaccines have always um you know gotten safer and better it used to with smallpox you would you would take smallpox in like a in like a avocado that had like rot and then like oh. you'd cut someone's vein open a little bit and spread some in there holy shit and then and then sometimes oh, wow. people yeah and then and and sometimes people and, and and by the way people are like oh i don't trust these scientists meddling in labs this was this was like discovered as a process in like you know like kind of like indigenous cultures and stuff where we're doing this was like a natural um thing that humans stumbled on as a as a treatment was to give like a little bit of it but that was and then they and then they made it cowpox or whatever instead to because the giving someone a little smallpox sometimes led to smallpox and then there was like less invasive ways to do it and then they just kept on eliminating um eliminating um side effects until and and now this is a new advancement and i don't know um much about it but there are people that do there, there are people that have been like eager to um you know have the resources to um uh to experiment more with this and and it's gave this opportunity and the reason why is because what they're already finding out about it and had in years past is that it seems like it might be useful for um, treatment of cancers for treatment of MS. It seems like this method wow. might have downstream effects of, of like truly um, advancing modern science in a way that hasn't happened since like the polio vaccine. Really? Yeah. Like we, we might be, we might be the healthiest population. And like <laughs> you said, the, the, your, your fat friends that aren't working out, um, um as much i you know it's fine if they don't work out i just don't want you complaining about how scared you are of this this thing i don't know i mean i think it's hard i i think it's i think there's a lot of evolutionary mismatches we didn't evolve in a place with mcdonald's in coca-cola and it's it's a motherfucker you know that that stuff is a drug mm -hmm. and like it wasn't meant to be it wasn't a plot against humanity or anything it just, <laughs> it just had unforeseen consequences yeah. sure it's been covered up and like there's plenty of corruption involved and everything sure. be, because they but no one's like if a big mac made you healthier like they would be fine it's not like they would take the healthiness out of it just for the sake of it right there but but they will cut any corner they can to maximize profit and they right. will and it and if covering something up is cheaper than you know whatever else and 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 so so we have this mismatch of like never in human history did you have the kind of like caloric intake regularly available where you you didn't need fat cells you we wouldn't have evolved fat cells if we had refrigerators 
fat cells are our natural refrigerators. That's where you store away energy for when you don't have food. If you had refrigerators, you wouldn't have the kind, I mean, there's use, I'm overly generalizing, mm -hmm. but you wouldn't have the kind of fat cells that you would have um, uh, today. Same thing with COVID, like asymptomatic spread. The, you wouldn't have to worry about social distancing if someone was actually, if you got COVID and you were showing symptoms immediately mm -hmm. and choking on your own lung fluid, which like, I know a ton of people have had COVID healthy and not healthy. And some of them had a fine go of it. And I know a lot of people that thought they were going to die, like healthy, really? healthy people in their twenties that were, that didn't like have the energy to call for an ambulance. Wow. And, 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 um, I don't, and I don't want to like try, I know plenty of people that like, you know, it was inconvenient. Right. Um, but, uh, but, uh, and, and we should look at statistics and not anecdotal, uh, evidence for things. Absolutely. Um, so I, I even hate saying stuff like that, but, um, I, I think that, but you know, like if, if you were at a comedy show and there was like a whole table of people next to you just like coughing up like <laughs> like all like right a dry cough like, mm -hmm. like they can't like that wouldn't be a funny show like oh the whole you, time you'd be angry yeah you'd be like, yeah. What, you'd be like what the fuck yeah i gotta get out of here sneaky about this is it's asymptomatic you can't and so there's you know it fucks with the mind so much that there's the cognitive dissonance of like well why isn't if i have something to worry about why am I not seeing these um, these signals that my brain has evolved to detect? Mm -hmm. You know, it's because a novel virus outwitted your evolved. <laughs> right. It's a novel virus. Uh, sig signals. So I think the whole thing is fucking fascinating. But yeah, I, you know, some of the smartest, most balanced, intelligent people that I've talked and not every scientist's there's plenty of scientists that think like, you know, this being overplayed or, you know, that, but they're usually like social scientists or something. They're not like infectious disease people. But I think that uh, like, I, I do whatever, I, whenever I talk with a biologist, I ask them like what they're doing, like with their kids, their amount of quarantining or whatever, how cl close they're, they, they like them personally, they're getting right. with people. And then I do that. Okay. Uh, that and, makes sense. And, and they're, and they're being real careful. Um, and, and so, so, um, yeah, I forget what I was saying, but there's a little tirade in there anyway, but, oh, the, the point is with, with fitness is I actually do think we might see a world that just generally starts taking its health better. I mean, here, here's here's my problem with the whole hey just take care of yourself pitch god it takes a long fucking time to get in shape especially yeah, if you just aren't does. used to this thing. it does it, it, it takes a long time it takes a two seconds to put on a mask that's the do do i wish everyone was healthier and like taking better care of themselves of course i do i wish i was i take mm -hmm. okay care of myself but i would love to i would love to have better habits and mm -hmm. have it be more regularly and you know be the best fucking human i can yeah. be but you know that's asking a lot is that hard uh, uh do you f give yourself any kind of 
added pressure or extra pressure that you can think of? Because now that you talk to all these, you know, geniuses, these smart people, these scientists, and they give you these, uh, these studies that they come up with to teach you how to be better in all different aspects of life. Do you find yourself struggling with trying to meet those after you learn about? Uh, that's a really, that's a fantastic question. <laughs> I love that question because yeah, that's, you know, I, I have been asked similar questions, which is like, does it do any good, you know, learning something and, mm -hmm. and, and that's, and the discouraging answer is a lot of times knowing why you do a bad behavior doesn't necessarily prevent you um, from from doing it. Almost excuses it. it. Yeah, I mean, almost you can. I mean, I don't know. I can I excuse mean, some of my bad behavior. I was like, oh, you know, my, my 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 father abandoned me at a very young age. This is why I've done this or that. Just excusing it like, nah, I could work on this. Yeah, I mean, it's also just like we figuring out what we should, like how, like the most effective way to be is different than implementing the mm -hmm. most, you know, ju just like economics and behavioral economics, you know, economists always scratched their heads at these pesky humans who didn't seem to be spending and saving money in the way in their like computer models of like humans are so smart. Why aren't they making smarter spending decisions? <laughs> yeah. And then behavioral economics came along. You start thinking about the evolution of advertising, you know, your status or okay. attracting mates or, yeah, yeah. or, or the value of social skills. And then, and then there's, there's all of these new variables of like, here's, Here's the study of of mortal uh, of of morality of like why why people like everyone generally cheats like ten or twenty percent more than like one or two like bad guys doing all of you know if all the pens go missing in an office it's not one pen bandit it's everyone <laughs> taking yeah. like a couple pens and <clears throat> justifying it to themselves mm -hmm. but yeah I think that. Um, Sometimes I beat myself up for like, God, you know how to do this? Just do it. Um, but I, I beat myself up as much, if not more, before my love of, um, of psychology and stuff. And, and I think that I have some really adapted, some really pragmatic tools, both in terms of just like little tricks, um, like detail tricks, and in terms of lifestyle changes and really broad scope things that are like pragmatic that like that like someone i'm sure someone probably would have told me in a self-help book or whatever anyway but it like took science for me to like oh and that's why that works mm -hmm. like i need science to tell me why that the exhale um during meditation triggers the parasympathetic response which which and then and then kind of ins inserting your conscious focus into that aspect of it tends to it tends to trigger consciousness to to be focused on that that relaxation 
response more than the inhale that you do like when you bench press or something and that's when you want the stress response and and i could have just like followed the instructions <laughs> you know but i need to know why something happens I'm, yeah i'm the same way <laughs> and and so there's there's tons of stuff like like yoga like i love doing i can tolerate someone talking about like the their chakras and stuff like that and follow the instructions and have a nice yoga session mm -hmm. i would just prefer the person that's like breaking down exactly like why this fascia does this in this way even though i don't even understand it's not the science i'm interested in so i don't understand what they're talking about but okay. they'll say like they'll say certain things that like click into place of like oh you know, that's interesting. I like things to be broken down for me to act on them because my upbringing was a lot of like, I don't trust these adults. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't trust that they know as much as they are like pretending to know. Yeah. <clears throat> Unchecked authority has always given me a, I don't know, just kind of a, a bad taste in my mouth where I just don't trust it. It's like, I'm not going to listen to you just because you said so. Like, Give me yeah. a reason why, why be, this, I need to know why this makes sense. Like, don't tell me just cause you said, so it makes sense. Like, tell me. Yeah. Noah's Ark is like the best thing that ever happened to me because when I was like four or five years old, I got this Noah's Ark like set, um, you know, little, little animals and stuff to play with. And I loved it. I loved it so much. And I, I played with, I think I was like four or something like that when I got it. And I loved playing with this thing. And, uh, and it just like got me interested in the animals and it got me questioning and like thinking like, wait, how would they all fit right. in this boat? And, that, and I just like got hung up on it, you know? Like, yeah. And I just started like, and people like seemed so confident. And then like, you know, someone would be like worked up about sports and I'd be like, why is that? Like, that doesn't match the... <laughs> what's happened like wait wh why are we so excited about the it's it just like and then it, and then got into school and i was like wait why are we all just sitting here like the, the doing this thing and like my name's all i'm always in trouble for some reason <laughs> yes yeah, like, here <laughs> and uh you know i'm i'm grateful to that i stubbornly was like i've stubbornly over time figured out that um that when someone can't explain why they do something it's because they don't know why they do something mm -hmm. you know and those mm -hmm. people are always the most sure of themselves and always will not listen to anyone else's perspective yeah i don't understand yeah i'm dealing with that i'm dealing with that right now with my ex-wife it's it's insane like some people that is you can tell them black and white straight up it's it's black and white and they can still just ignore it or or justify something or turn it gray it's like i i don't you know people have have their own ways of protecting themselves as i think a lot of times what it boils down to like their brains just work these certain ways to protect themselves from whatever yeah i think that there's a lot of ego there's a lot of truth in that and i think that we do that all the time and i, I think that I, I you know i think that we all do that i think that even um you know us us saying like well you just got to be healthy is a way of of victim blaming and that's like another 
you know, it's like a just world hypothesis. Are you familiar with the just world hypothesis? No. Like everything in life is orderly. And and if you just like behave in the right way, life will work out for you. So when, Oh, that'd be lovely. Things don't go (laughs) your way. It's, it's, there's, there's, you do these like fundamental attribution. So the average person, when something goes their way, they go, Oh, I earned that. When something doesn't go their way, it must have been some bad luck. But when something doesn't go someone else's way, they must have done something wrong. They earned that. When something good happens to them, those lucky bastards, you know, they just got lucky. And and, um, and so, so, I it's part of like uh, it, it it's it's why it's why when there's like sexual assault, like people are like. Oh, but look at what she was wearing. That's not just people being an asshole. Do they still do that? Like, is that? Yeah. But I I thought that would be something that died like 20, 30 years ago. Well, part of it, though, is because people don't want to think about their sister or wife or daughter having that happen to them and part mm-hmm. of a psychological defense okay is to be like well i don't need to think about that thing happening to them because we're just doing everything right so mm-hmm. therefore you know just follow the law and the police won't ever do anything bad <laughs> you, you know, yeah it, it's it's that kind of uh, sure it's it's that kind of thinking and i think that we all we all do it all of the time. So yeah, psychological defenses. Oh, I love them. I think that we have, I think that we have so many. Um, uh, and, but you know, what a confusing world, what an interesting existence that we're all a part of. And to have all of this, this, to, to be living in a brain that is not so much built for um, accuracy, which is what you would think, you know, and, and in a lot of ways it is like when you look at something, if I were to like jump and grab a bar, my, my brain would work quite accurately to mm-hmm. like jump that bar. And you kind of think your internal judgments about say um, um, political matter or something would work in that same way. You are evaluating the information and coming up with the most accurate appraisal of what's happening. And but it's not there's a number of biases that lead to genes perpetuating more there's there's reasons why telling yourself little fibs gives you more confidence which maybe inherently gives you more status or makes you well liked in in certain communities and there's all of these other hidden motivations in our assessments of life and most of those are mass so it's not it's not when we're wrong about something, it's not so much that like, oh, the brain just missed the bullseye. It's like, no, the bullseye wasn't accuracy. The bullseye was over driving you towards survival and mating and status and all of these other things. And it, and so your brain probably knew the reality of the situation and then fed your consciousness a slightly embellished narrative oh. that, that you acted on okay um, and and so it's it, it's it's not just like a slight inaccuracy that we're living in it's an intentionally biased narrative that our entire existence that is a simulation that mm-hmm. we're living in that we like for example jumping off of something right um 
you you if you have people estimate the height of that cliff from sitting at the bottom or from standing at the top they're going to think it's higher from standing at at the top usually unless you're an adrenaline junkie like me <laughs> and it's because the brain's done some calculations and been like well if we're jumping let's overestimate how <laughs> how big this this fall is whereas if we're if we're climbing like you know okay uh, that's uh, it's it's better to more accurately appraise it and it's not we like to think that like oh man we're just lying to ourselves all the time well in a way you are but like also in the span of evolutionary time you are being told the narrative that will work to the highest efficiency in the most number of scenarios in a probabilistic fashion it's just that we're now living in a modern world that's completely detached from our uh from our uh evolved reality and it's and it's uh, creating mental models for us that are dramatic mismatches with what's actually happening in the world and so uh there's some pretty wild ideas going out there in people's brains we're not ready for it um i won't take up a, a whole lot of your more more of your time i know it's been like two hours and i know there's so much more we could get into especially we haven't even touched on the psychedelic realm of the universe um which i which i have dabbled in myself um yeah nice but like yeah. i had a, a a psychic on just the other day and it was fast it was fascinating it was like she really like she came in and immediately was like telling me stuff about just some weird energy with like you know just some people that were over that then they just but then they had left and she was telling me about the energy i was like holy shit like i didn't even bring that up how did you know this about that it was weird i'm not saying i buy it but there was just some interesting stuff with with having her on and then she was talking to me about some weird energies and some things that she was getting off of me and and i don't know i don't know if it, it didn't seem like a parlor trick yeah, no, I, I think that people are I think that people are interpreting information in different ways and have have, um, you know, privileged acts, especially, you know, we're taught we're dudes and uh, females are going to have different perceptions of reality, just like um, people in different stages of their life are going to be mm-hmm. having it's not some linear like as you get older, you get wiser. It's not there's, you know things that are smart when you're 16 that seem ridiculous when you're 30 but they were actually smart for Mm -hmm. a 16 year old to do and uh anyway um within that i would say that my favorite way of thinking about things like that is um is that so synesthesia where you kind of uh someone has their 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 brain is constructed in in such a way that there's so I, I have categories. We all have categories in our mind, like this is a food, this is a smell, this is a word, right? And there's, there's the brain starts off as kind of a blob. There's a synaptic pruning that like isolates those areas. So it's not all such a mess, you know, right. to, to help organize things. And sometimes like what happens with psychedelics, like you mentioned, it, it, it induces synesthesia. 
but sometimes people didn't have some of those connections severed between those categories. And so mm. someone will, will uh, like hear a word and see a, like it, oh. the, the number 11 looks yellow to me. And, um, and it, it's like a very, very mild synesthetic. Everyone has like a little bit of this and every, so every time I'm going to say either yellow or, or, and if I think of the color yellow, I see 11 and I have to like, be careful before saying either one. And, <laughs> and, but some people have this like extreme. And so there's this conductor who saw colors. Have you heard about people that like see colors and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's just musical information processed in their visual center. Mm -hmm. That's all. It's just, it's just a different, just like, you know, we don't see, we don't see, make our way in like a sonar perception in the way in which a bat might. It doesn't mean the bat's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the bat simply perceives information differently. So there's this, um, uh, this orchestra conductor that saw music and colors and and so much so that he didn't know that other people didn't and but he was a brilliant conductor i guess and as the story goes he would be like um trumpets i need more violet out of you <laughs> and they wouldn't know what the hell he was talking about but they oh wow buttons they'd try different notes until eventually he'd be like no that's orange and then oh wow that's so to, cool and and they'd finally get it and then and then they would learn to be like oh b flat he mean is is violet, violet. <laughs> and and so they would learn to like translate what he was saying but they were both after the same objective reality which mm -hmm. is b flat i mean of course that's a subjective thing that we've stamped on the blah 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 we could talk about that end endlessly but b flat or at least the spectrum that somewhat categorizes b flat is an objective reality of like you know an aspect of sound waves that can be measured and it's just his way in which he interprets that information was through more visual processing than um also his hearing as well but but visual processing and, and i think like i think stories like that are i think people pick up on things all of the time that you know i i think all of our just like polyglots have uh, uh, have um, an intuitive sense of language, and it's nothing at all for them to pick up a a sixth language. Uh, it's easier for them to learn a sixth language than it is for me to like improve upon my English a little bit or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, in in that same way, I I think I think what what you're seeing with psychics and that sort of thing is something like that going on that's then probably embellished a little bit by by you know we we by putting by putting labels on these things and then and then characterizing this behavior in like a mystical way it then just just like the Asian female math study, it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy right. of like, oh, okay, I guess I'm a psychic, <laughs> you know, which is you're just like picking up on various, you know, saying, saying someone's like picking up on certain energies in a room. How, I mean, how different is that than saying like, I was at a party, I didn't like the vibe. Mm -hmm. It's not that much 
different you know maybe they're just a little honed in and that's not to say this person's right but it's not to say they're wrong either yeah and and it's just like it's a way of articulating the human experience that i have an aversion to personally like uh, when i hear mystical sounding things just like yoga i go like what i don't need to hear chakra crap but it doesn't mean that we aren't getting to the same place it doesn't mean that like uh you know doing uh the the fucking downward dog is is like beneficial no matter what name you're calling it right or or whether or whether you're tapping into the mystical yoga genie or you're listening to a ted talk on your anatomy uh you know if you're doing the pose you're doing the pose people right. have different ways of 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 uh articulating it hey do you think the orchestra uh, the, the, the i'm sorry the conductor of the orchestra that sees colors do you think if there was like 10 other orchestrators what, what are they called uh uh conductors if there's like 10 other conductors that all saw colors when they saw music do you think they'd all see the same color for the same notes that's a great question i'd say absolutely not i think that that would be uh I would venture to say that 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 would seem really strange to me if they did, but maybe that'd be so interesting to find <laughs> out. I mean, it'd be hard to t because you know these are there's probably like ten of these people on the planet, right? Oh, <laughs> get them all together! What yeah, color is yeah, B no. flat for you, motherfuckers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be that hard to do with a study. That would be really fascinating to find out. God, I would love to see that study. That's interesting. I'll I'll ask uh, I'll try to ask someone if I if I have a guest on talking about synesthesia or something. I'll try to ask. That's a fantastic question. My my thinking is that um to find someone that has the exact same synesthesia, I I don't I don't think that like most of our most of our brains are like similar in a mm. lot of ways. And people with synesthesia, their brains are different in also different, like peculiar ways. Like they, they, one person sees music, another person hears, hears the, the name Jennifer and smells, um, um, cotton candy, you know, just like bizarre stuff like that, because it's just wow. different. So it's different categories and different parts of parts of the brain that that's happening to and so this is and this is i mean it's it's not even you can basically if you do psychedelics you're kind of experiencing in many ways a temporary synesthesia so this isn't even just like about smelling colors or whatever this is like what i believe i've done with psychedelics and what people try to do with meditation and everything else is is created pathways into um the subconscious mind that wouldn't normally you wouldn't normally have the same um kind of access to you know like like you do mushrooms and you have like multiple like shower thoughts so shower thoughts are this great thing like you know once a week or once a shower or something like that you have this aha moment wow what a terrific idea i should study that um synesthesia uh does everyone see the same um uh, color blue sky when there's a c flat or whatever that's a great thought on mushrooms you have thoughts like that like 
um, you know, just like one after another, like epiphanies like that. And I, I don't think that it generates new thoughts. I think that it's tapping into um, just that same kind of shower, the stuff that was percolating mm -hmm. on the bottom of your, uh, uh, just under your conscious awareness. And it just like traps you down um, a, a little bit more. So I, I think that, you know, I, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm saying, but basically there's so many different forms of synesthesia that that would be a really tough thing to study. And that's why I would predict that they would see them in slightly different colors, but holy crap, would that be awesome to find out? Yeah. You know, there's, if um, we, we see things in we, uh, the brain categorizes things to differentiate. And then once it does, it, it fine tunes the, the borders of those categories. So if you're like a color spectrum, um, the, the borders that we're taught are the ones that we assign colors to. So different cultures sometimes have different, like a different kind of yellow or a slightly different kind of red. And so if you give one of those big crayon sets of like 300 crayons mm -hmm. to several different cultures, they will draw different rainbows. If you say like, hey, draw, how's oh, that wow. rainbow look? Tr take these crayons and draw that rainbow you don't label any of them with the, what they say they'll draw the and you know this culture will will inevitably like be picking the same colors this other culture will be picking the same colors it's close it's still you know it's still a spectrum of light and still as like you know red and blue shift are two different things um on two different ends of things but uh but it's still but culturally they're they're slightly different well, that's interesting yeah you ever going to shave that beard? You've been growing that thing. I, I just had one. I started mine in March. As soon as our quarantine lockdown started Kansas city, I just shaved it about a month ago. Yeah. I mean, so you really shouldn't have a beard like this for masking if you're really looking to be um, careful. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I've been super quarantined and now with the new variants and stuff going on, if, if I can't get a vaccine sooner than later, and I'd rather, I'd rather let people like essential workers and people that like really need it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Cause I, I don't, I don't mind chilling for another month if it can get to people that need it um, more. Um, uh, but, uh, but that being said, I would like to start, you know, going on outdoor hikes or like playing pickleball with like a, nice i love pickleball <laughs> trusted friends or whatever once yeah. it's warm out and the and and it's outdoors and everything else and i think as an extra layer of precaution it might be a good idea for me to really i mean i'm not i'm doing that in a, based on a different kind of i it's only with people that i like trust to be taking covid as careful as i you know it's like being in an open relationship and then, <laughs> nice <laughs> and then um and then uh, also being distanced and outdoors like on a hike or whatever or playing mm -hmm. pickleball and and like trying trying my best to keep distance when possible so but if i if i start getting in a situation where i'm like going in want to be going into grocery stores or something rather than getting um getting the takeout um i would shave this 
to wear a mask and then so that's like the technical thing just because i also i also think that like just because i'm a science communicator i'm like ah, i kind of want to like set a good example for people too and tell people like the best ways to like keep themselves um from spreading things but, yeah but uh, then, but but the beard goes a long way in the psychedelic community <laughs> yeah i mean i'm kind of distancing myself from the psychedelic community are you conspiracy stuff going on with it. yeah okay. i mean the, like the q the q yeah. shaman stuff oh, like that geez i i've been getting hounded by people like that through all of covid because they because they're you know there's a lot of there's a lot of motivated reasoning in the wellness community and the like psychedelics are cure-all um mm -hmm. type of magic bullet kind of thinking that people want to think and so they see anything like related to science or uh like traditional or or like uh, mainstream accepted science or or whatever as a as a threat to you know their um their perspective um uh, which is like you know you, everyone needs to eat mushrooms all the time and live in the woods and mm -hmm. um, be in nature and stuff. great plan if you can pull it off yeah but um i but there's a lot of conspiracy thinking that has come along with it that i've been just like worn down by i i never got any complaints like i never had people um um like before be like this researcher doesn't know anything about personality differences or like <laughs> they they don't really know how mosquitoes mate <laughs> this person's foolish but but once once people are confronted with an actual you know inconvenience once they actually have to do something about you know a scientific reality that's when people have lots of problems with uh with it and construct a lot of uh a lot of narratives and I, I i'm trying to distance myself from that as much as possible but the beard i mean i do like the idea of not performing until COVID is actually like behind us mm -hmm. and when i say march 22 that's that's not just COVID. like i'm factoring in there's going to you know that's that's allowing myself wiggle room that's that's factoring in that like i i think things will be like pretty close toward normalization by september ish um but uh that's that's um uh that's also the the live entertainment like every comic and every band is gonna be like you know everyone's gonna be trying to like set up any show that they can and you know there's gonna be people are going to be competing to perform on a Monday right. night and there's, and there's not going to be just, just like this is a hard time to be a podcaster because it's so saturated. It's going to be a hard time to be a live performer, even once COVID is behind and uh, even once COVID is behind us and, and like, who knows what's going on with venues and what ones are still going to be open. There's going to be a little change in the rebuilding. Right. So when I say, I, I didn't mean to like terrify the average Joe, um, when I said, uh, you know, over a year from now, it's just that stand-up comedy in particular is like a whole separate 
way, way, way more constraints and demands and various things that your average that uh, are are beyond what like normal life is like. Mm -hmm. Most people are going to live relatively normal lives before stand up comedy will be a practical thing to do in in uh, comedy clubs. Um, but uh, I do like the idea of having like, hey, I haven't shaved in two years yeah. or whatever. This is, there's I, I have some ideas for some stuff to do with that. I, I don't want to share them, but uh, yeah, that's fine. But um, but I'll tell you, I don't know if I like it. I mean, I, I, I don't I don't mind the way that it looks. It's getting a little too big now. But uh, it's just a lot. It's a lot I, yeah, lot. mine was about that size. And it's, you know, when you're spending so much time just grooming the damn thing. And then, you know, I'm in Kansas City. I like barbecue. You know, I like wings. Like eating that shit with a giant beard is yeah, just, it's yeah. a nightmare. Like you got to figure out what you're going to eat. You got to taper your 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 food to, to your beard. Yeah. And I don't know. And on and, and the only reason why I asked you, it's it's stupid and silly, but I know I look better without a beard. It got crazy and big, and that's fun. And the only people that compliment me are oh. other dudes. Always. It's <laughs> only other dudes. It's, I know it. Yeah, I, I actually didn't even know. I never even thought of myself as like an attractive person. You're a handsome so, son of a bitch, man. Like, that's what I was asking. Like, you look so good without a beard. I'm like, well, how long is he going <laughs> to rock this? Like, he's a really good looking dude without it. Like, that's how I looked like. I don't think I was a really good looking dude, but I'm better looking without it than with it. I'm like, yeah, ah, it's time I, to get laid. Like, I got to get rid of this thing. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I actually just don't plan on getting laid for a while. I'm, yeah. just, in, I'm just hunkered down in like work mode. I'm trying to set myself up to get laid a bunch more after COVID (laughs) (laughs) and not, not quarantine compromised, um, COVID sex. Uh, but I, yeah, I've had, I've had women mourning the loss of my face since I started (laughs) putting this beard out. So well, you never said that shit before. Yeah. No. you, you you never just reached out we're like hey you're really handsome no you don't get that you get that after you're not handsome and they're like oh, oh you used to be so handsome like all right well what the fuck like, well it will be the nice thing when you do shave it like yes finally the dime piece is back you're gonna get like <laughs> you're gonna get non-covid pussy just thrown at you oh <laughs> uh, we'll see i'm not thinking that far ahead just yet well i didn't mean to make you think that far ahead it's just on my brain right now i had to mix it up a bit yeah it's understandable yeah I, yeah I go i go back and forth with like am i really gonna go a whole nother year without getting laid huh i could i've thought about like online dating yeah you know i did a when i um i ended up breaking my feet but i did a i did intentionally i got out of a relationship and i was like three back to back like you know three year long relationships and i was like i need a fucking break from mm-hmm. i just committed to my because i go crazy about women like i'm i'm like like i move in like i'm getting oh really like, oh yeah i just like i fall in love su- like 
I fall in love faster than like almost any guy I've ever met. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so it's fun to fall in love, man. It's it fun. Is. It's great. And so I was like, I'm taking a break. I'm taking a year from like all things women. Like I'm not, I mean, I did, I think I watched like, did I watch, I mean, you know, I'd masturbate or whatever, but I wouldn't, like in real life, if I even like saw an attractive woman, like, you know, walk, I see a track. I would just like walk across the street, like look <laughs> somewhere else. Like, I don't even, I don't want to look at this woman. I don't even want to think about it. Like that's, that's how strict I was for like a year. It was super awkward getting back into things, being rusty for a year. Sure. Um, but I will say that year was like incredible. It was like an incredibly productive <laughs> you're right on of stuff done and uh so i don't know i'm kind of inclined to be like two years is not a plus i'm 40 41 41 42 that's kind of like prime time for a dude really especially yeah. if i can get my money sorted yeah like that's that's a good age for that's i'm 41 it's it's a great age right now it, a, yeah it really is i mean you, you can't be broke and be a dude at any age, but um, <laughs> if you can, if you can get your stuff together and, and be uh, like forties, forties is a pretty, uh, when, when dudes have fairly high mate value, usually. I didn't even think about that, but it is, I I've been enjoying oh, I it. Oh, I've been thinking about it been waiting your whole life to be 40 That's, and now you're going to go celibate for another year and grow this beard even crazier. Well, that is You've been looking your whole life for this. Take advantage. Hey, you got the pandemic though. The since damn like, pandemic. Since like 30, I was like, I was like, yeah, I think that, I, I mean, the pandemic's always even like, like say I got COVID and like, you know, got over it or whatever. Um, like I still can't tour, you know, cause mm -hmm. I still got to like drop, people in right and right there's consumer confidence issues so i'm broke i'm gonna be so it's not just covid it's also just being broke for another year um i, I got some things i'm working on but um anyway i i have uh oh shit what was i saying i don't know i don't remember it's i don't okay. remember yeah it's about taking time off to work on yourself and work on more things and not get yeah yeah get another ladies. year of it yeah but ladies, yeah, ladies, oh, that's ladies. what I was going to say. I remember like 30 years old and getting like real way more into like evolutionary biology and psychology and just looking at it and being like, oh, yeah. Yeah, guys, mate value kind of skews older. Uh, it takes a while to like increase status and resources and these other things. And and so then that makes the, the females evolve to, uh, you know, respond more positively to cues of um aging you know uh, being around that age and so mm -hmm. i was like yeah i think i've been looking forward <laughs> to being in my 40s for a long time I had a pretty good 30s but i've been i've been looking forward to 40s um like worst worst you don't want to be a dude like early 20s the dudes dudes get dudes get locked in in their early 20s and that's just like Oof. yeah that's that's not you're missing the, the point you're missing the point 
missing the that's point at the 20s doing that. I don't understand that. But it, it works yeah. if, that's, if that's their journey they want to be on. They'll learn their lesson one way or the other. Or maybe yeah, live happily ever after, I suppose. Mm-hmm. There's that, some people. Yeah, there's that life out there for them. It ain't for me. Um, well, cool, man. I had a, I had a great time. I, Me too, man. I really appreciate it. This was, this was awesome, man. Yeah. And, um, cool. Well, let's do <laughs> it. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll end it up. Yeah. I, I appreciate you here. Um, I don't know, man, if you ever roll through Kansas city, I'd love to grab a beer with you. Well, if you're drinking then, or I might be, who knows? We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I would love to, uh, I, nice. I, uh, I look forward to getting back kansas city in 2022 2022 we'll see you then and uh yeah thanks again shane this was this was a lot of fun for me and i yeah thank you yeah thanks for having me that's great Uh, all right now we'll figure out how to end this end right there all right bye